Hi, it's Angela McKinney, and welcome back to the Untangle and Thrive podcast. So today, I wanted to give some light to the question of, can I have more in my life? And is do I have permission to ask for more? And the disease of more is, is and I call it a disease of more, because for any of us who've who are in recovery or really struggled with eating disorders or compulsive disorders and the need for more, the more, more, more of filling up the emptiness, we get very tangled here, people. (laughs) So weirdly, we start training ourselves, not weirdly, but what our biology starts to do is register threat with more, shame with wanting more, And often we can unconsciously train ourselves into smallness, anorexic, sort of a ping-ponging state from that more bulimic, more, 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 I just need more. And we can confuse, I'm going to say this again, we can confuse anorexic living for recovery. We can confuse an anorexic life for a life of recovery. I may get into some trouble here, but this is my visceral observation and also my experience with having such a dysregulated need for more because I was in so much pain and so much anguish that more was my attempt to get relief. It caused more pain ultimately, it caused more anguish and despair, but it was at the time all I had access for. And the shame of that compulsivity of more and the internal isolation of not knowing how to language what it was that I needed and needed more of to become healthy, whole, well, in there is just an ocean of chaos, oceans of chaos, right? So often we try to go to war with this unconscious part that that really doesn't often have language, nor know how to locate what it is we truly need, nor know how to mobilize towards getting our needs met. And that interruption of not knowing those that sequencing of languaging, locating, moving, and satiating in ways, restoring ourselves in ways that bring about more connectivity, more belonging, more meaning, more purpose to our life. When we don't know how to do that, we're lost, we're terrified, and we get trapped in these very powerless, helpless states of overwhelm, and screams, kind of a mini crisis of, I don't know how to do this, you know? And it perpetuates, it perpetuates then the compulsivity of needing more to escape the pain of feeling so lost and helpless. And so many people who get into recovery from some form of too much, too much over, you know, binging and drinking and God, when I think about my compulsivity to drinking and eating, the violence I put my body through, my experience with more was violent. It was viscerally violent. It was so uncomfortable. And it, it held such a scream 
on so many levels in my throat and in my body and my stomach and my guts that could never really get out. And so any attention that was pointed on me or focused on me, any time anyone looked at me with curiosity or some sort of effort to help me come out of this scream, <laughs> I met them with a vi- like a like a visceral, feral scratch. I was so unavailable and so ashamed of having anyone see me. So this impoverishment, right, of, of really being seen sources the compulsivity of more, but it also sources the compulsivity of, oh, no, you don't get to have more. You need to suffer. You need to learn how to live small and tight and constricted. And it's, so, it's, so it circles, it, it, it encapsulates both sides of that dance. And so on one level, it's great. I'm not throwing up every day. I'm not putting myself in dangerous situations. I'm not, my, my disease of more isn't, you know, actively destroying my life. But yet, how is it actively destroying my soul in recovery? How is it keeping me small and not able to inhabit my whole self? So the more is really tangled, right? And so unconsciously, we can have this associated meaning to more that's bad, that needs to be contained, that needs to be controlled, that we start to get very rigid with. And I'm just going to say to you today, I'm just inviting to, to peek around the corners here and, and, and question, explore your body's experience with wanting more. Does it feel dirty? Does it feel chaotic? Does it feel pleasurable and restorative? Does it feel shameful to want more, to ask for more? Sometimes when we're not getting our needs met, we get very needy of more, right? <laughs> In our relationships, <gasps> needy, needy. And that, fill, again, that's, it doesn't restore our dignity, our trust. It has us very confused and very reliant on people to be something for us because we're confused with how to become who we're meant to be, how we're, how the work of becoming inhabited in our in our needs and in resourceful ways in our needs for love and connection in our needs for safety and certainty in our needs for significance in our needs for growth and development all those get hijacked in this tangled knot of of more and needing others to fill our emptiness or needing things to fill our emptiness And it really is soul murder. It really is a source of soul murder. And there's an impoverishment in the layers of it. And so the under-earning, the under-being, the under-living, these are all symptoms of the mirroring, of reflecting this inner impoverishment. And so I can't, I don't know, to me, reconfiguring bringing more of me into my life. What does that look like? Bringing more of me into my work, into my care of others. 
What does that look like? Bringing more of me into my self-care, into my exercise, into my body. That's asking more. (laughs) So often when we're trapped in those helpless I can't waters, we don't ask a lot of ourselves because stress and anything more feels overwhelming. But it's actually where we get strong. It's what we need to be doing is bringing more to our life. More of us needs to come out just a little bit every day through engaging, through exercise, through working a little differently, through communicating in our relationships, to allowing ourselves to feel other feelings like joy and love and wonder and beauty and awe. So we have to feed the soul. The soul longs for more. And it's healthy. (laughs) It's restorative. It helps us melt and thaw the disconnection, the isolation, the immobility, the frozenness, so that we're creating some, some, just some raindrops, some water to, to help us move into ourselves in just a little bit of a different way emerge out and belong to the world just a little bit differently today. I had a dear friend reading my book and she loved the the walking exercise that I outline in the book as one way to be taken on a new journey. And I talk a lot about those three parts, the tangled self, the organizer self, the creative self, and how we want to build an active relationship to all three. And how we want to create some space inside of ourselves to know that one, the tangled self in particular, doesn't need to hijack the totality of our whole life. That we can get stronger building a new experience in the world today that we also have this innate intelligence, this wisdom in our system to really transform the way we're experiencing the world. And so this walking exercise is sort of an embodiment of that awareness. And you know, when you go travel in the world or you go travel to a new place, how you get lost and you're, it's so wonderful to get lost and to see things and branches and trees and beautiful colors on a door and a beautiful flower coming up. You just start noticing things because you're present. You're in a new environment. And often we have to trick ourselves into thinking we're in a new environment. I don't know, you know, I can go in a neighborhood and I can think that I know my streets really well, but I have to really embrace that newcomer of seeing everything again for the first time. Like I'm in in another country and I'm just allowing the world to take me somewhere new in my neighborhood. So that's a way for us to create an environment of attuning and giving ourselves this medicine, as I call it, this medicine of connectivity, of belonging, of allowing the wonders of nature to stir us. And, and satiate us in a way that allows us to feel and receive more. And there is healing. It's getting safe. It's getting more present to be able to receive what is around us, what's here for us to experience. 
Receiving is the piece of satiating our needs, satiating our sort of belonging to this moment presently and allowing ourselves to take it in, to experience, to taste the wonders for just a minute. Impoverished bodies, traumatized bodies, they can't receive. It's not that, right? And then we try to stuff these really intense things in there for, their, for them to receive. And they're so confused because they can't even really see the beautiful blue sky. They can't even really take in the breeze that's hitting their lips, the sun that's kissing their neck. They, they struggle to get present and receive with the world around them in a healthy, restorative way. And so we want to bite-size this so that we're training our bodies into bringing more of ourselves into this visceral experience of the world and helping us unwind the need to binge and chase and consume to the need to starve, restrict, and punish. We want to get more humanistic and reconfigure our relationship to more that is restorative, that is supportive, that unifies. Okay, people. Thanks for being here. Have a great day.